Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're talking about realistic parenting. We've been talking for weeks about how to get our kids to do things, to do the things that we need them to do because we're parents and we have stewardship and we live in the same house and we're trying to prepare them for their futures. And so today is about realistic parenting, not just like, I really need to get my kid to do this and it's just about that. It's more about parenting as a whole. This is not a parenting course. This is a little slice of parenting. So let's talk about realistic parenting. One of the main principles in realistic parenting, as we dive into the research of how you actually parent and all kinds of researchers have done all kinds of different things about how to be good parents, is that parenting research is going to conflict. To me, I look at it like, okay, a research bite is just a snapshot of an entire city. Is that snapshot going to give us an idea of what that city's like? Yeah, it'll help, but it's not the whole city. And so research is just one tiny little piece of all of parenting. Just like somebody's parenting advice is just one little tiny slice of all of parenting. There's a bunch of different family styles and parenting styles. And parenting like articles tend to say this is the best parenting style. But it really depends. It depends on what your family's like. It depends on what works for you. It depends on the wherewithal that you have and and your style and their development. It depends on so many different things that parenting is really more complex than any one simple answer can provide. That's why engaged parenting is so important. An engaged parent is just someone who's paying attention. It's someone who's looking around and saying, hmm, I'm going to try this little reward system that my friend talked about. That didn't really work for me, but this part did. So I'm going to take this part and I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Or, wow, there's some advice over here that I read in an article. I'm going to try that. You're constantly experiencing and experimenting and having new experiences. And you're constantly trying to see what works for you. Here's some examples of parenting advice that might work in one situation, but not in another situation. Let's take rewards in getting kids to do things. Rewards is a really complicated topic. So some of the advice that I've heard in giving rewards, both from research and from other parents, is don't do rewards because they're not good for the kid because they'll do it for the reward instead of for the actual thing that they need to do. Okay, true. But what is also true? Um, Another thing that I've heard is that if you give someone a reward for simple, like repetitive tasks that are not pleasant, The more you reward them, the more they will actually get that thing done or more of it that they will get done. So rewards can really work for repetitive tasks. Another piece of research shows that if you reward people for doing creative things, that they tend to actually produce less creative work. And if you reward people for doing complex tasks that take a lot of thought, like a difficult math problem or something that requires a lot of Um, working memory and and thought processes, the more you reward them, the worse they do. So it kind of depends on the task at hand. It also depends on how long you do it. Rewards are great for kickstarting a new behavior because it gets people interested in wanting to gain the reward so they'll do the behavior a few times or whatever it takes to get this reward. 
And then it teaches them that this behavior is not a big deal or that, wow, now I've done it. Now I know how to do it. So it's a good competence, confidence builder just as a kickstart, but it tends to taper off in the long run. There's also rewards that show that if you take something that a kid naturally likes to do and then you reward them for it, that they stop liking to do it. They've done this with creative supplies in schools where they'll introduce some new creative supplies and the kids are loving the new felt pens or paints or whatever it is. And then when they would tell half the kids, okay, you're going to get a reward. The more you do this, the better you know rewards you're going to get or a prize or whatever it is. And then they would tell the other kids, you're free to choose whatever activities you want. The kids who were free to choose chose this new novel, interesting activity that they liked more often than the kids who thought they were going to get a reward for it. They suddenly didn't like it as well and didn't participate as often if they were rewarded for it. So by now you might be asking me or thinking, Leanne, why are you telling me all of these different things about reward? That's a whole separate week to just talk about how to micromanage and how to figure out how rewards really works. There are scientists who study rewards for years. And so this is a complex thing. Why are you telling me all of these competing, conflicting things? What am I supposed to do now about rewards? That's exactly the point is you're supposed to be aware of the different conflicting true principles underlying how to handle rewards. If you're aware that there's multiple principles, it's easier to look something up on Google and go, oh, this one resonates, but so does that. It's okay, I can tie them both together even though they're opposite. It also helps you to see, oh, maybe one thing will work in one context and not another. And it becomes a really fun creative game to create your home by saying, hmm, I'm gonna take these different ideas and I'm gonna experiment and I'm gonna see what works for us. So it's not just about the rewards and all of these principles under rewards. It's about in realistic parenting, different things work different times under different circumstances and being engaged just means trying them out and thinking through why they might work in different situations and what you think might work for you. Another example of realistic parenting for me is the idea of using force. You may not agree with this example that I'm going to give, and that's okay. I'm just speaking from a sample size of one here. So everybody knows that it's not a good idea to force kids to do things a lot, because if you do, it's going to dampen their motivation. They're going to stop doing it when you walk out of the room or completely stop doing it when they walk out of the house. And so force and it damages your relationship. There's all kinds of negative consequences when you force kids to do things. And yet one of my favorite scenes in this old movie called Captain's Courageous is when this fisherman takes this bratty boy who's fallen off of a big um, cruise liner ship and has been rescued by this fishing boat. So he's a rich bratty boy and he won't work and he won't do anything, keeps demanding everything. And this fisherman takes him aside because he hasn't eaten for a whole day because you can't eat if you don't work on the ship. And he says, you hungry? Yeah. Okay, come here. And he literally picks his hands up, walks him over to the edge of the boat, takes his hands down, picks up a fish head, throws it over the edge of the boat, and then kind of brushes his hands off and then says, there, you did some work. He literally forced this kid to work. He's like, now you can go eat. And he goes down and they're like, wait, can you really eat? Did he do some work? And they yell up to the hat, did he do some work? Yes, he did some work. 
I didn't do any work. You made me. That's right. I made you. Wow. How'd you get him to do some work? Ah, the boy likes me. It's okay. He'll do anything for me. And so they're joking around and having fun with it. But that moment of taking that kid's hands and forcing him to do the thing just helped him get out of that cycle of pride and arrogance to say, oh no, I'm never going to get past this thing. And it just broke a cycle. I think it's useful to use force on a really super rare occasion to just be like, dude, just do it. You're going to clean this bathroom right now, the toilet. This is how we're going to do it. I'm sure it grosses you out. I'm sure whatever else you haven't wanted to do it. We're doing it right now to see that it's not that big a deal. It's not rocket science. You're not having to touch anything gross. We're doing this right now. And you force your kid to do it in whatever wherewithal way you have because they just need to get past something. Whereas in the long run, we don't want to use that continually and pull out force as a tool for parenting because it's not useful. So realistic parenting is that there is no one utopian way to parent. You know, if we say we're going to parent by never yelling at our kids, that might be a way to do it. I know a family once who said, I'm never going to say no to my kids. I'm always going to say yes. I'm going to find ways to work with them. And those kids were four years old and spoiled and drove everyone around them crazy. I don't know how they turned out as adults. Maybe it turned out fine. But in the meantime, they just were stomping on everybody else's rights and were annoying. And it was it was just super frustrating. So to have one dogma of this is how parenting is going to be is really not useful. Realistic parenting is that there's a lot of different things at play here. And one of the most important things that I think that you can learn is that as a parent, trust yourself. It's okay if the way you parent is different from somebody else. Trust yourself. Trust that what you're doing is okay for your family. Here's a couple of other things that I think are really important for realistic parenting. Another principle in understanding realistic parenting is understanding this about your kid. Your kid is probably pretty average. I know you love your kid and I know they're special and I know they're awesome, but he's also probably pretty average. So let's take a look at some examples. Let's say that your kid is kind of smart, like when they get those standardized tests back, that they come in the top 85 or 90% or something like that. And so you know your kid is smart. That's great. There's one place where you found one of your kid's strengths. But if you measure all of the other thousand ways that there are to measure kids, they're going to come out pretty average. And so here's another example. Um, There are, according to research, 10% of kids could be considered difficult kids, difficult to manage, difficult with their behavior. And yet 80% of moms on Instagram when they're talking in parenting forums are saying, oh, my kid is so strong-willed and so difficult. And so really is it 80% of them or is it just the 10%? Sometimes our perception is that our kid is really extreme in some way, but your kid is probably just average and their behavior is probably normal. So whatever you're freaking out about, be sure to check in with some other moms and go, okay, this is what's happening. Is this normal? Or go on some forums or check out the book, Your Eight-Year-Old, so you can see what's normal in the range of eight-year-olds. Take them in to see a, a professional so that you can say, is this a normal thing? And you can stop thinking, my kid is way out of you know, the range of things and say, oh, this is normal and parenting is just hard and I'm going to have to pick up some new skills and some new wherewithal so that I can manage this new parenting behavior, this new kid behavior as a parent. 
Another part of realistic parenting that is kind of hard to swallow is that parents, we're part of the problem. Whatever's going on with our kid, we're part of the problem. Even if we have really good intentions and we work really hard and we do all these things to try to help, the way we're handling it is part of the problem. And so we got to figure out new ways to come at these things when we've lived with our kids all these times and we develop these patterns, when those patterns get to be a problem and we want to address them and figure it out, we've got to figure out how we can change our behavior. Now, knowing that we're part of the problem has some really huge benefits. At first, it sounds depressing, like, yeah, it's always my fault, whatever. It's not. It's not always your fault. It's not always your responsibility. But if you realize that what you are doing is contributing to their behavior, to contributing to their lack of wanting to do the things you need them to do, contributing to all of this, then that means that you have some power. It empowers you to act and to change what you're doing because then that will change what they're doing. It empowers you to take control of your own life and your own home. The biggest help for me in realistic parenting is to hold two truths in my mind at the same time. One truth is I'm okay. Our family's okay. My parenting is fine. I might have a few rough spots, but, but I'm okay. And the other one is, wow, that piece of advice out there, that is a super cool piece of advice. And I want to tweak or change or improve what I'm doing in this area with my family. So it can be true that you're both wanting to improve and that your family is okay. You don't have to be seeking improvement and be all unsatisfied with your family. That doesn't have to be the case. You can be positive and engaged with what you're doing and know that there are still some changes that you want to make no matter where you are on your parenting journey. Right now, as a parent, you're probably doing fine and you're enough. You're who they've got, which is awesome. And you can trust yourself. Trust yourself as a parent. Trust your judgment. Trust that whatever advice comes your way or whatever research comes your way, that you can pick and choose what seems to fit for you and that that is engaged parenting and that engaged parenting is what makes all the difference. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.